should be the penultimate video in this series and of course penultimate means not just the ultimate not just the best but the the really really best that's that's what uh, penultimate is so this is what I think is going to be the penultimate video unless something changes in this series that I started back in May it, it was uh, May 8th it was um, motorhead day and I ran through the the motorhead catalog and I've started to uh to go through a lot of bands that I like this is I think the 21st episode I've done episode if you if you want to call it an episode it's been uh co-branded or it's 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 been a collaboration with um my friend Kevin Montavon he has a podcast that you should go uh watch or listen to uh it's on YouTube you can also find it just anywhere just go on the Google machine and it's it's called Ticket Stubs he has a podcast his, uh, I think he, he uploads my pod, my, um, these videos that I'm doing right now. He uploads those as, as podcasts on his, uh, on, um, I think it's to, um, Podbean or something like that. Just, just Google Ticket Stubs, uh, podcast on here on, on the YouTube. And if you want to search, if you want to watch his, his, uh, uh, videos or mine or download mine or download his, you can go to that. So, uh, I've talked about a lot of bands. Today I'm going to talk about Soundgarden. I love Soundgarden. This is, um, I have a pretty long history with Soundgarden, uh, which I'm going to talk about. I'm going to go through their whole discography, more or less. I'm not going to count uh, the, the compilation albums, I don't think. Um, but I, I have a, a long history with Soundgarden. I get into them. You have to watch for the next couple of minutes to see when I get into them. I was not into Soundgarden from the start. They their first uh, release came out in '87 or '88, um, and I was not into them. Now some of these bands I've talked about, I was into them from the very beginning. Soundgarden was not one of them. Um, watch for the next couple of minutes, and, and you'll see when I get into Soundgarden. And um, so I'm going I'm to talk about that. I'm going to start right now. With their first, uh, now this, this was, um, screaming, this, this was a, a combination of, uh, and this came out retroactively of Screaming Life and FOP, which were their first two. Screaming Life was, was a, an EP and FOP was a, like a EP or a, a single or something. I think it was, it was only three songs or, uh, yeah, I think, yeah, four songs. I'm not sure. Um, I don't have too much to say about this one. This I I got this retroactively after I got into Soundgarden later. I was one of these people that felt like I I had to have a band's whole catalog. Um, if, if I liked them when I got into them, if I if I liked them, I went back and bought their stuff. So I went back and bought this. I never fully got into Soundgarden's um, really early stuff. This one and the next one I'm going to talk about. I don't have too much to say. They were. To me, it reminded me a little bit of the way Pantera went, the first few Pantera albums, and then they, they finally found themselves on Cowboys from Hell, or arguably on Vulgar Display of Power. Some might even say they found themselves on Power Metal when Phil Anselmo joined. For me, Soundgarden was, was something similar to that. 
So about this one, um, not too much to say. Hunted Down uh, is, the, is the first song. That, that was a good one. And that's still not, not is because Soundgarden does, doesn't exist anymore. Um, but still they, up until their, their most, their last shows that they played in 2016, I think they were, they were still playing Hunted Down. It's a good song. It, it did have the, you could kind of see where Soundgarden was going there. They weren't quite there yet, but the Hunted Down was a good, for, for me, a good representation of where they were going. Um, what else? Tears to Forget. That, that had kind of, um, like his, Chris Cornell's high pitched screeching vocals, which I was never a big fan of, um, which he, he didn't really abandon those as they went on, but he didn't, he didn't sing in that style as much. As he did back then, amazing voice. Also, I, I never liked um, Rob Halford's that that high pitched screaming King Diamond. I I just didn't really like that. I liked the more powerful um, tears to, tears to forget. Um, nothing to say. Nothing to say was a good one too. I would say that was maybe the first real Soundgarden song that sounded like Soundgarden musically. Uh, I think also vocally, just the style of it. The Soundgarden that I would later uh, grow to really love, really, really love Soundgarden. Um, nothing to say was was uh, the first, I would say the first true classic Soundgarden. Um, and then after that, it's Fob. Just, uh, yeah, I guess it was, a, it was, I'm not sure how many songs. I, 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 to be honest, I'm not even sure. I only know this as the... The, the the two of them combined. I'm not even sure which songs were on Screaming Life and which ones were on FOP, but there's uh, Chris Cornell, Shirtless, and there's Chris Cornell, Shirtless, and there's Chris Cornell, Shirtless. For the, for, the, for the ladies out there, if you like Shirtless Men, you can see a lot of them here. Well, only one, but three different pictures. So not too much on this. Um, they, they, they kind of stated who they were and then they refine themselves, as I said. So, Screaming Life, Fop, uh, a good start. Never really caught on with me. Which brings me to the next one. This one, I I was also never quite into. This one, Ultra Mega OK. Soundgarden was a band that, um, when they started in 1987, I guess, was, was when Screaming Life, I think, came out. It's probably just as well that I didn't, I'll put that down for a second. Probably just as well that I didn't, I, I think I wouldn't have liked Soundgarden if I'd heard them in 1987. Um, they, they, at that time in 1987, I was listening to, I basically had two, uh, or let's say three styles of music that I liked. I had, um, traditional like rock and metal, Iron Maiden and ACDC, Van Halen, Black Sabbath. Uh, and I had what, I guess later became to be called hair metal, which is kind of one of the, the dumbest terms for music, along with grunge, which you could say Soundgarden is, and uh, and thrash metal. I loved the nineteen or of the hair metal in eighty seven. I loved Guns N' Roses, Motley Crue, Rat. Um, uh, you know, a little bit later it was Bullet Boys and and uh, eighty seven Faster Pussycat. I love, still love Faster Pussycat. And the other one that I really, really liked at that point was 80, in 87 was, uh, was thrash metal, speed metal. I was, I loved Metallica from 83, Slayer, uh, Sacrifice, Death Angel, Testament. Uh, you know, I, I love that. Soundgarden didn't fit any of those, uh, categories. So I'm not sure if I would have liked Soundgarden if I had heard them at that time in 87 or 88. So getting to uh, Ultra Mega OK, this was, I like this a little, I'm still not totally sold on this album all these years later, but for me it is, or it was, a step up from Screaming Life and Fop. Uh, Flower, Flowers is a good song, and they were still playing that in in their last shows and their last tour. Flower's a good one. Um, all Your Lies is good, Metallica covered that. Uh, all Your Fears Are Lies, Metallica covered that. At a Chris Cornell tribute concert, maybe last year, year and a half, two years ago, something like that. Um, oh, Beyond the Wheel, Beyond the Wheel, I love Beyond the Wheel. Beyond the Wheel could be, uh, I'll talk about my favorite songs. I can't really choose a favorite on Screaming Life. There, there was nothing really on there that really 
stood out to me. But Beyond the Wheel is, I would say for sure, my favorite song on Ultra Mega OK. Maybe even one of the top Soundgarden songs. What a heavy song that is. Uh, Beyond the Wheel, it's it's uh, very strange sounding. It has a really dark, brooding feel to it. It's slow. It's it's classic. It's how Soundgarden should sound. That that's to me the classic Soundgarden is beyond the wheel. Uh, what else on here? Uh, Mood for trouble. What was that? Oh, that was with the. It had a strange, cool, but the 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 guitar acoustic guitar intro of Mood for Trouble was um, very unique. It it, it uh, you, you never really heard much up to this point and beyond much acoustic guitar on Soundgarden albums. So Mood for Trouble is good. Uh, Circle of Power, that was, um, I eh, didn't really like that one. That was, uh, what was the guy's name? Hiro Yamamoto, the bass player. He sang that one. The thing that I did like about that, it was maybe kind of a precursor to another style of Soundgarden songs that I really loved, which was those kind of short, fast, up-tempo you know, just a punch in the face and they run Soundgarden songs like uh, uh, Drooring Flies, Space Pollution, Ty Cobb, uh, Kickstand was like that. That was, even though I think Hiro Yamamoto wrote that song, Chris Cornell, Kim Thiel, they I don't think they had anything to do with that. But still, it was um, kind of a sign of, of what something Soundgarden would do later. Um... They had great, Soundgarden had great song titles. Um, Nazi Driver, uh, Head Injury, Incessant Mace. Those are great song titles, which they would continue through their career, which maybe I'll talk about as I go on. Incessant Mace is a, a great, great song. Another, that could, that could also be probably, probably my two favorites on this one are Beyond the Wheel and Incessant Mace. Total Black Sabbath, the, 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 the dun, 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 dun. very Black Sabbath, a little bit reminiscent of um, of War Pigs, maybe. But Incessant Mace is is an, an excellent song too. So they they were getting better for for uh, at this point they were getting better. I like this a lot better than Incessant Mace. I mean Incessant Mace better than Screaming Life and Fop. I still wasn't totally sold, and I still wasn't. I should add also. I was not into them at this point. I still wasn't, had never heard of them, I don't think, Soundgarden at this point. Um, so this was another one that I went back retroactively and got after I became a Soundgarden fan. And uh, I feel like I still, with, with Ultra Mega OK and Screaming Life, Fop, I, I still feel like I have a lot to learn from Soundgarden. I haven't, I haven't fully embraced or, or fully got into to, to Soundgarden. So I, that's something to look forward to. Next, 1989, this was Louder Than Love. This was when I got into Soundgarden. And I'm going to put that down. I'm going to tell a little boring story about how I discovered Soundgarden, how I got into Soundgarden. Uh, I had a friend at the time, this guy called Don Robinson, who I've mentioned uh, before. I think I mentioned him in a Pantera video that I did and maybe something else. He introduced me to Soundgarden in 19, not personally, but musically, introduced me to Soundgarden in 1989. He, he called me up and, and uh, he, he was a big music guy. He was like me. He, we knew each other through music and he worked at a record store and he, he called me, I don't know when this was, I, I guess whenever the album came out, it was shortly after that because he had seen the video for, I don't know if he saw the video for or he heard Loud Love. I think it was he saw the video. And he called me up and he said, oh man, you got to come check it. I think he had recorded it or something and he had it on tape or videotape if it was the video. And, uh, or maybe he had the album because he worked at, a, as I said, I think I said he worked at a record. Yeah, I did say he worked at a record store. So somehow he heard of, of Soundgarden before I did. And he, he called me up and he, he told me, you got to listen to this band called Soundgarden. And so I went over and I trusted his, his musical opinion. We, we listened to a lot of the, we loved a lot of the same music. And now I, I thought he was saying sound guard, like they guard the sound. And I, I can't remember for how long it was I thought that. I don't know if it was when I went to his house. I think I went to his house like immediately to check out this band called, that I thought was Soundguard, which I thought was a 
a pretty cool name for a band. And then I, either when I saw the album or saw the video, it was, or he told me it was Sound Garden, which I, I would say is, is still the, uh, one of the, the greatest band names ever. A Garden of Sound? That's a, that's a great name for a band. It's not restrictive, you know, like, I mean, Iron Maiden and Black Sabbath, those are good band names, but they, they create a certain image, they, and they, they live up to that image. Soundgarden could be anything. Um, so I think, I, I think, I thought Soundguard was a good name, and I thought Soundgarden was an even better name. So he, um, so I, I went to his house and I heard, uh, Loud Love, Louder, uh, Loud Love, Louder Than Love is the album. Loud Love is the song, and I loved it, and I, I bought this album. This was sometime in 1989. And this was another one, similar to to uh, Screaming Life, Fop, and Ultra Mega. Okay, I did like this at the time. This is this is my introduction to Soundgarden. I didn't, and I still don't love it like I do some of the ones I'm I'm going to talk about later. But as an introduction to Soundgarden, I'm, I think it was much better. This was in 1989. This is when I was uh, also discovered. That was the same year I discovered. Jane's Addiction and Faith No More and um, I, that, that was one of my, maybe not just my musical taste, but music in general was changing. It was still heavy. I, I talked about this with Faith No More and Jane's Addiction. They were, they were still heavy, but they clearly weren't metal, but they appealed to, to metal fans. They, the, the music they were playing was something that was good for me. I'm going to put this down again. I'll get back to it. And so I think Soundgarden, when I heard Soundgarden, they came along at the right time. As I said, if I had heard them earlier, maybe I wouldn't have liked them. But in 1989, my mind was, I think, more open and to, I was receptive to, to new music that was heavy and, but it wasn't metal. It was a new style. So Soundgarden was, uh, was the band for me. Uh, now this one, and another thing about Soundgarden albums is, um, at least the first three, something about the, the covers is, Live, live shot from a concert and live shot, I guess, presumably from a concert and live shot from a concert. Kind of strange. Other album covers look like they, they could be live albums. And also because this was called Louder Than Love, although it, it doesn't say it on the, on the cover. It's got it on the spine. So kind of strange, their album covers and, um, um, Especially this one with the song title, Louder Than Love. It sounded like a live album. But I did, I did like this album. Um, Hands All Over, that's the, the first, no, maybe with, uh, with Beyond the Wheel. That could be an all-time favorite. I'm going to tell you about my, my all-time favorite Soundgarden song when I get to it. Uh, you might be surprised. Hands All Over is, is one of my top ones. One of the, for sure, tops on this album. Gun, I love Gun also. That's a very, very slow, heavy, uh, the songs that I really like. And what I also liked about it later as time went on was Pepper Keenan, who I mentioned when I talked about Down last week, who I called the MVP of metal. Pepper Keenan jammed with Soundgarden in, at uh, Lollapalooza in 1992, and they did Gun, and then he, Pepper Keenan jammed with them again, also on Gun in Ah, 2011 or 2012 or something. So, and I was a, a big COC fan, so it was cool. And that just made me like the song even more. Um, what else? Get on the Snake. Good, good song. Good Soundgarden groove. Soundgarden had a lot of slower, heavier songs. But Get, Get on the Snake was, it wasn't fast, but it had a great groove, which not too many Soundgarden songs had. Um, what else? Loud Love is another great one. The, the first Soundgarden song I ever heard, so of course I have a, an attachment to that. Uh, and Big Dumb Sex. Th those are the only songs that I love on this album. I mean, the other ones, they're good, I, but I just never got into them. But so, so what do we got? Uh, Hands All Over, Gun, Get On The Snake, Loud Love, and Big Dumb Sex. So at least about half the album is, for me, fantastic. The other is, as I mentioned earlier, I, I, Feel like I still need to to sit down and really. I've only had uh, 31 years to to uh, to to get into them. I, I guess I need more. But yeah, this this is a good album. I think for a lot of people, this was their introduction to Soundgarden. It was for me. Um, not my favorite, but uh, I do like it. So they they were getting better. They were going up from Screaming Life Fop to Ultra Mega Okay to this one, getting better. 
Now, they got even better with the next one. This, this one was called Bad Motor Finger. And I'm gonna put it down, and, and if you, if you're watching these, you know when I put it down, it's either because I get distracted, or because I'm gonna get really serious. It's like when these people, uh, you know, when you, when you watch people on CNN or those, you know, kinds of things, when people say, look, when they start a sentence with look, it's like they're saying, everything I said before doesn't matter, but when I say look, it means you better start paying attention now because I'm getting serious. So I'm gonna say look. Bad motor finger is one of my top, I don't like to, to pigeonhole something or paint myself in a corner and say it's a top five or top 20 or top 10, but Bad Motor Finger is a classic, one of my top, top, top albums ever. That's all I'll say. I don't want to say it's five or 10. I talked about that with Down Nola and Pantera Far Beyond Driven and Anthrax Among the Living and Metallica Master of Puppets. So my, my top five of all time is probably about 10. And my top 10 of all time is maybe about 25 or 30. But Bad Motor Finger is a perfect, classic, flawless, amazing, fantastic, killer. Uh, pick, pick your favorite adjective, uh, a positive adjective, and it would probably apply to this. I will say it's a metal album. There, there's no, um, there's no getting around it. It's a metal album. So Bad Motor Finger is a metal album. It's not, it's not, Traditional metal like Judas Priest or Iron Maiden or Motorhead or uh, like New Wave of British Heavy Metal, but it is a metal album and I love it very, very much. Every song, every song is great. Um, and it was at this point, this, this was in when Soundgarden became like one of my top bands. And also I think when I realized that Chris Cornell wrote some of the best lyrics, just, just, uh, I think especially looking at this now, Rusty Cage had, and I'm, I'm not even sure what a lot of them meant, but they just had great imagery. Um, what was there in Rusty Cage? Uh, you wired me awake and hit me with a head of, with a hand of broken nails. Uh, what else? Um, I take the river down to Stillwater and ride a pack of dogs. Um, what else? Like God's eyes and my headlights. Uh, Rusty Cage is a fantastic song. And earlier this week, Charlie Benante from Anthrax did, uh, he's doing great covers on, on his, um, his YouTube channel during this quarantine period. He's better than anybody else. He's been very busy and he did an amazing cover of Rusty Cage with Charlie, did it with, uh, um, um, what's his name? Um, Bill Keller from, from Mastodon on guitar. Um, William Duvall from Allison Chains was singing, who did an amazing job. I, Kind of lost track of Allison Chains after Lane Staley died, but William Duvall sang, uh, Rusty Cage Amazing and, um, can't remember the guy's name. Mengi? Mark, Mark Mengi? Mike Mengi? On bass? Amazing cover. So if you, probably if, if you're watching this and you don't know that, that, that seems impossible. Um, but if, if you, if you haven't seen that, Charlie Benante, check this out. Uh, his cover of Rusty Cage. I, I love that song. Uh, great, great riff, great everything. Uh, Outshined, I love that song too. Uh, every song, Slaves and Bulldozers. I would say Slaves and Bulldozers, which became kind of a little bit like their, their signature song. Uh, it, it closed a lot of their shows, including in their final years. It's just very heavy. Um, maybe some of his best vocals that, uh, at, towards the end of that song, he's, Cornell's just screaming, Jesus Christ pose. Jesus Christ pose. I, I'm gonna talk about this. I, that, that was a song I got pretty tired of back at the time because it, it, um, they, the, the video was on much music all the time and uh, I got a little bit tired of it, although I, I did like it. But looking back on it now, it reminds me of War Pigs. Um, a couple of other ones that I got, Number of the Beast by Iron Maiden that I got bored of just from hearing so much. But then some years later, rediscovered them and fully wrap my arms around them and love them. Jesus Christ Pose is a song that I've talked about this before with friends. It has no business or it had no business being a successful, I don't know if it was a hit song, but it, it was a successful song. Uh, it got a lot of play back then. No business. Not, I mean, for one, because it was called Jesus Christ Pose and anything with religion is obviously going to be a problem for a lot of people. 
but it's just a, such a strange, strange song. It's very harsh. It's kind of hard to listen to. I'd say Soundgarden in general sometimes is hard to listen to. Their songs are very, they don't go where you think they're going to go and they don't do what you expect them to do or want them to do. And they're, a lot of their songs are kind of wonky. And Jesus Christ Pose, I think is the, maybe one of the best examples of that. The, the, um, the guitar is, it's kind of, it grates on your ears. I mean that in a good way because it's, Jesus Christ Pose is a, is a contender for one of my top Soundgarden songs for sure. Um, although I might contradict myself even later in this video. The, the guitar, the, um, it just sounds, it, it sounds, I don't know, it's like an alarm going off or something. And the, the bass is, it's, it's rumbling and it just sounds angry and aggressive, which, which is great. And, um, I think that the star of that show, that, not that of the show, the star of the show in that song is Matt Cameron. The, um, that, 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 that song, it's, it's a very fast paced song and you, you hear the, the hi-hat, But the, the drums are, are going like, you know, a million miles an hour. He's, he's, he sounds like the, uh, he's the, it's like an octopus. If octopus could play, could play drums, it's like, that's what it was. Cause it, it sounds like Matt Cameron has, has more than two hands or two arms. Cause he's, and that there's no breaks in that song. It, it, right from the start, from the time the drums come in until the very end, there's no, there's no slowdown, no breakdown, no breaks. It's just, just an incredible song. So Jesus Christ Pose, incredible that that song became as, as popular as it did for, for many reasons. Musically, lyrically, in terms of the imagery, there's, there's just something very strange about that song. I love it. Jesus Christ Pose. Uh, what else have we got here? Uh, face Pollution. That's, that's one of the ones that I mentioned earlier that I really love. Those really short, fast, direct, uh, shots to the face, uh, songs. Face Pollution also on this album. Drawing flies, or as Kim Thiel calls it, drawing flies, according to Chris Cornell. Um, oh, searching with my good eye closed. That's another one of the ah tops. I I hate. Uh, I feel like I'm putting myself in a box here. Searching with my, with my good eye closed is is also a, a, a top one on this album for sure. One of my top Soundgarden songs. Um, and I listened to a an isolated vocals version of that song uh, last week and again earlier this week and something that I didn't really notice in the in the, the the studio the original version of the song is towards the end Cornell is just screaming and screaming like just uh, just gone crazy it's several different tracks and oh, he, he just sounds so good um, Mind Riot is another, I think that was my first favorite when I first bought this album in 1991. I think Mind Riot was my first, um, first favorite song. And I should say when I heard it, no, not when I heard it, when I later, when I bought, um, when I heard, when I bought Ultra Mega OK or when I heard Flower, Flower reminded me a little bit of, um, Mind Riot. I know you should say Mind Riot reminded me of Flower, but I heard them in the different order, uh, that they came out. Uh, Drawing Flies. Yeah, that amazing album. Uh, this was produced by Terry Date, if, if that's important to you, who produced Soundgarden and Overkill. He was a metal guy, and, um, not that, that, uh, they weren't a metal band before this, but, uh, this, as I said, this, this cemented Soundgarden as a metal band. They were, they, they attracted metalheads. That kind of changed with the next album. I'll talk about that. But they, they were, they were, a flat out now metal band um, on on Bad Motorfinger for sure. When did I buy this? I write the dates. I bought this on October thirtieth, nineteen ninety one. I don't know if the camera can pick that up. Ah, that's uh, the day I first saw Pearl Jam. I saw my first Pearl Jam concert on that same date, October thirtieth, nineteen ninety one. There must have been some relation there. Um, anyway, so Bad Motorfinger. For me, is it's for sure Soundgarden's best album. The the ah super unknown. The best one is is close. I that that's a, a spoiler. But uh, this this is my favorite Soundgarden album. I think for for quite some time I alternated between 
um, Bad Motorfinger and Sound and uh, A Super Unknown being my favorite. But I think over the years, this has cemented itself as my favorite Soundgarden album. Somewhere with, I've talked about this many times, often you go with whatever comes first. If, if Super Unknown had come out first, maybe I would have liked it a little bit better. But uh, this is this is my favorite. Bad Motorfinger is a classic heavy metal album. It's not alternative. It's not grunge. Uh, it's not psychedelic. It's it's metal. All right. Next came in 1994. This uh, also I would call a masterpiece. This is called Super Unknown. Um, now I will say one thing I don't like about this. I've talked about this before too. It's just a little bit too long, which is bad. But the good thing is, it's not. I mean, some albums are long, and you think, ah, they they could have removed this or this. I don't know how they could have made this album shorter because because it's uh, every song is great. Maybe one small exception, half. Uh, that that was a Ben Shepherd. It's almost like they said, okay, Ben, you can you can go and you can do your song. Um, but yeah, it's, it's 15 songs. I think it's about maybe over 70 minutes and it just, it's, it's hard to digest something when it's that long, but this is, a I would say almost every bit as good as Bad Motor Finger. Uh, what can I say about this album? This, this was before I talk about the songs, this is when Soundgarden became superstars. They, they were, they got pretty big with uh, Bad Motor Finger. They were on a very steady incline, not not decline. They were going up uh, from Louder Than Love and then Bad Motor Finger. So, uh, Super Unknown, I keep wanting to say Soundgarden when I say Super Unknown. Super Unknown made them superstars. And so with that, just like with Metallica and other bands, metal bands, when that happens, when you're kind of an underground band and you reach then, you know, a, a level of success and especially mega success like, uh, like Super Unknown. There, there's a lot of backlash and I, I know a lot of people hated Soundgarden after, because of this album. I'm not sure why because if, if you had heard this, if this had been their first album or if this had come out after Louder Than Love or, uh, I don't know, I, as their first album or second album, people would have loved it. I think maybe, the, the thing that, that people didn't like about this album was that it, it had, I guess, their first real hit single, obviously Black Hole Sun. And metal fans are weird. We don't like success. We, we like to, to keep things to ourselves, which I personally don't care. I, I, I like it when, when bands that I like, when they get big, I like that. Um, as long as they didn't, you know, really, really change too much. Um, Metallica, you have to go back and, and, Watch my video for my thoughts about Metallica when the Black Album came out. But Super Unknown was just just like um, as I as I mentioned, uh, Jesus Christ pose had no business being uh, so successful. There are a lot of people that I, I think they had no business being Soundgarden fans because this this album was very very dark and heavy, um, and really not that much different than. Uh, than, than Bad Motorfinger. If they had come out in reverse order, maybe people would have not liked uh, Bad Motorfinger or called them a sellout. I'm not sure, but um, you know, things like uh, Limo Wreck, uh, Mailman, Fourth of July, those, those are heavy, dark, slow, brooding, moody, angry Soundgarden songs. Just just like anything from Louder Than Love or Bad Motorfinger or Ultra Mega OK or even Screaming Life, I guess. Um, what else can I say about this one? I will say about, uh, Black Hole Sun. I never liked Black Hole Sun. It has nothing to do with the fact that it was, uh, a hit. It has nothing to do with the fact that it was a little bit kind of a quieter Soundgarden song. It was pretty far from Jesus Christ pose. I just didn't like it. Even before it became a single, when I, when I listened to this album, I just didn't really like it. Um, not sure why. I have no problem with singles. I love, uh... I loved Enter Sandman when it came out. I remember when that came out. I loved it. I did get tired of it, but doesn't mean it's not a good song. And, um, you know, some of the other ones, Ace of Spades is a great song. Some people don't like a band's signature song, but uh, Black Hole Sun, I just never got into that one. Um, Super Unknown, the title track. 
it's hard to pick a favorite on this one too. Super Unknown is very Soundgarden. I, for me, and I think for a lot of people, they weren't really a like a, even though they were in my book a metal band. They they weren't really known for their guitar work or their guitar solos, especially. Super Unknown is one for me that the uh, the guitar solo stands out. I love that song. It, it has a not, not the guitar solo, but the song, especially the intro. As to me, it sounded like Led Zeppelin. Um, Ah, that's a great song. Mailman is great too. Very, very slow and heavy, dark. Uh, I'm going backwards here. Let me drown my wave. Fell on black days. Spoonman was the first single. I, I think a lot of people didn't like it. I love it. I and I still do. I think Spoonman is, is an excellent song. The day I tried to live. Man, that's that's dark. And and like suicide is also dark. Um, continuing with the the the. Uh, the song tells, I mentioned Head Injury and Nazi Driver and on um, Bad Motor Finger. They had some great song titles too where you, you just wonder where, where they come up with this. Searching With My Good Eye Closed is a great uh, song title. Slaves and Bulldozers, I'm still not sure why that song is called Slaves and Bulldozers. Um, Rusty Cage, yeah. So yeah, Fresh Tendrils on this one, I'm not sure what that means, but they had great, uh, great song titles, very mysterious. Uh, this was, this was produced by Michael Beinhorn, who produced Mother's Milk by Red Hot Chili Peppers. And maybe that was another reason. People like Terry Date. People really like, I, I think, uh, I don't know if I've talked about this before, but I, I see producers, I'm a big sports fan. And uh, my two favorite things maybe are music and sports, much more music than sports in the last 10 years. But uh, there, was, there was a point in my life for quite a few years where I was a bigger sports fan than music fan. And I kind of see the, the producer as you see a coach of a, a football team or a basketball team or the manager of a baseball team. Um, they, they get either too much credit or too much blame. It's the, the people that talk about, you know, they, they pine for the days of Fleming Rasmussen coming back to produce Metallica because he produced... Um, uh, Ride the Lightning and uh, uh, Master of Puppets. So they think, well, if he comes back and he produces now, Metallica now, then Metallica is going to have another album like Master of Puppets or Ride the Lightning, which probably isn't true. Although I love Death Magnetic. You go go back and see what I said about Death Magnetic. And um, so I, I think when, when people see Terry Date and they say, okay, Terry Date, he produced Overkill and Pantera. So... If he, if he's producing Soundgarden and I'm a metal guy and I like Overkill and uh, um, Pantera, then then that means I'm going to like Soundgarden. So Michael Beinhorn, uh, he, he wasn't. I don't know what else he produced other than. Uh, and I'm not even sure now that I think about it. I'm pretty sure I recognize his name from Mother's Milk. So I, I'm sure there are a lot of people who they see that and it doesn't really matter. Either the songs are good or not. Kind of like Ace, and I'm getting very off track here, but ACDC getting. Uh, uh, was it Bob Rock or Bruce Fairburn who, who produced an ACDC album in the, in the 90s or 2000? And, uh, uh, Brendan O'Brien has, I think, produced their, their last album or maybe their last two. And, um, ACDC doesn't need a producer. And, uh, I, I don't know how much, how much input a producer has, um, to, to how a band, how a band sounds. Just like I'm not sure how much input. If you have Michael Jordan and Scottie Pippen and Dennis Rodman and Bill Cartwright and B.J. Armstrong and guys like this on a team, and then later uh, Kobe Bryant and, and Shaquille O'Neal, you're, you're going to win championships. Nothing against Phil Jackson, and I shouldn't talk about Phil Jackson or the Lakers or the Bulls. I should be talking about Soundgarden. So, yeah, but I, I love this album, but there are some people that really have no business liking this one. This is when Soundgarden entered the uh, the world of alt-rock, 90s alt-rock, which I really didn't like and still don't like now. But it's an excellent album. Yeah, Super Unknown is excellent. And another, I, I, I've always assumed that's Chris Cornell. Kind of a strange, strange album cover. Bad Motorfinger was excellent. Um, and it's a, this is like a forest, an upside-down forest. And then a picture of, I guess, Chris Cornell. Looks like another kind of a live shot. So, uh, Super Unknown is, is fantastic. Um, and some, something I forgot to talk about, I'll talk about a little bit, uh, just very quickly. 
about regrets, concert regrets, musical, musical regrets. I mentioned my number one biggest regret was not seeing, I had a chance in 89 to see Mother Love Bone and I didn't go. And I had a chance in 1990 to see Pantera on Cowboys from Hell tour and I didn't go and I regret both of those. I had, I had the chance to see Soundgarden and I think it was also in 89 or 90. It must have been 89. They, they did a tour with, uh, Voivod. It was Soundgarden, Voivod and Faith No More. And as I mentioned earlier, I, I got into Soundgarden and Faith No More in 89. Voivod I was never into, although that's another great band. I mean, even though I'm not a, really a Voivod fan, uh, Voivod is a great band name. I'd put that up with, with Soundgarden and as a little, uh, teaser, the band that I'm going to talk about in the last episode, which is going to be in a couple of weeks or next week, I'm not sure, whenever I get time, is another great band name. So it was uh, Voivod, Voivod, Soundgarden, and Faith No More, and they played at the concert hall in Toronto in 89 or 90, and uh, I didn't go, and I'm not sure why, because I was into Soundgarden at the time, I was into Faith No More at the time, not Voivod, but I didn't go, so I kind of regret not seeing that, because that, that would have been pretty cool to see back then. And it's funny how sometime later, I think Voivod was headlining and, you know, it was probably not too long after that that Voivod would have been the, the first band to play on that bill. But, uh, so I, I missed my chance to see Soundgarden in the early days, which I will talk about now. I did see them, I saw Soundgarden three times. The first time was in, um, was at Lollapalooza in 1992. That, that was, um, I, I think for me and I think for a lot of people, the best Lollapalooza. A lot of people will say no because it was too, uh, the bands who were on it became, ended up becoming too famous. But, uh, I, I saw Soundgarden in 92 on, um, Lollapalooza and I loved them. And I saw them again in 93 at, uh, kind of a strange show, a really cool show. I saw them open for, there was a, there was a show at, in, in Toronto at CNE Stadium. And I think it was only a one-off show. It wasn't a tour. It was uh, Neil Young headlining and with Pearl Jam, Soundgarden, and Blues Travelers. And so I, I went to that. And I I also loved uh, Soundgarden and especially Pearl Jam at that show. It was, it was amazing. And um, so I saw... So I, I never saw... Um, I never saw Soundgarden headline until the third time I saw them, which uh, if I remember, I'll talk about it when it comes up, when I finally saw them headline. So yeah, so my Soundgarden concert history is pretty brief. Um, that's it. Next one, now, I don't have this, so you can imagine that I'm reaching over here and holding up a, a CD here called um, Down on the Upside, which I, that one, for me, started to go down. This I would put this in the category with Ultra Mega OK and Screaming Life Fop and maybe even Louder Than Love. But I, I never got into that. And although different because at this point I was a huge Soundgarden fan. So th this is the first disappointment for Soundgarden from me. And I'm not sure why. I listened to it earlier this week just to kind of familiarize myself with it. And it was the first time I had listened to it in many, the, the full album in many, many years. And it's, it's better than I remember. And a lot of this, I think, could have something to do with... I've talked about this before, too, is timing. And I, you know, I, I think timing is everything. And maybe at that point in 1996, when Down on the Upside came out, maybe, I, I don't know, maybe I was just tired of Soundgarden. Um, you know, maybe I was tired of that, the Seattle bands or the Seattle scene, because I also hated No Code by Pearl Jam, which came out the same year in 96. Although I did come to love it. You can hear me talk about that if you go and search my um, my Pearl Jam video when I go through their discography. And um, Or maybe maybe at the time I, I just honestly didn't like it. But I never got into it. I did like the songs I liked on that. Um, Pretty Noose was good and Burden in My Hand. I liked all the singles from it. Burden in My Hand and um blow up the outside world that was that was okay not not i think that was one of the it was a single i didn't like it as much as burden in my hand or pretty news but blow up the outside world was okay and i really liked ty cobb ty cobb was similar to the ones i talked about several times face pollution drawing flies flies drawing flies um kickstand a, a short fast aggressive uh cool sound garden song 
other than that, I, I never got into it. When, when Soundgarden kind of came back in 2011 or 2012, I did go back and listen to it. I did end up liking, uh, Never the Machine Forever. And, um, what was the other song I liked? Uh, I don't, I don't have it with me, so I can't look, and I don't have my other phone with me, so I can't check the, the track list, but, uh, it, it was, when I listened to it recently, it was better than I remember. Again, maybe, maybe just like, uh, I, as I said, I feel like I, I still have a long way to go in my Soundgarden, uh, fan, fan career, cause there's a lot of stuff that I'm not super familiar with, and Down on the Upside is one. Um, yeah, I, I just maybe was tired of them at that point. So not too much to say about Down on the Upside. Uh, and I was 96 and then they broke up. Soundgarden didn't exist anymore. And I think over the years they, they put out a live album called, um, I don't know, live on I Interstate 5 or something like that. They, they put out one or two comp, they had the hits. And the B-sides are saying, and also I should say Soundgarden had a lot of B-sides. I haven't talked about that. I, I really have to do a lot of digging to get into their, into their B-side. They had a lot of, from the early days and even from all through their career, they had covers and stuff they never released. Pearl Jam was good for that too. Um, so Soundgarden didn't do, didn't do anything for, uh, what was that? 96. They didn't do another album until, 2012 when they did uh, King Animal and kind of the in similar way but in maybe in the opposite of uh, Down on the Upside I love that I'll, I'll say uh, from the bat right off the bat this is I love this album I would say I would put this at number three for me um, Bad Motor Fingers is number one and Super Unknown is two for me this is number three I like this better than Louder Than Love uh Ultra Mega okay, for sure. But again, similar, as I said, maybe with the timing of it, maybe I just was happy to have Soundgarden back in my life or happy to have them as a band again. But I mean, I think I really did just really, really like uh, Soundgarden. Uh, I mean, this album, King Animal. Um, if, if this had come out, and I've talked about this a little bit, if this had come out instead of... Um, down on the Upside, maybe I wouldn't have liked it. And if Down on the Upside had come out in place of this, maybe I would have loved it. So the timing, you know, maybe things that are happening in your life or musically, your tastes change a little bit over years. You still have your core, you know, things that you like. I'm, I'm never going to stop liking 70s Kiss or uh, 70s Black Sabbath or Metallica, Motorhead, Iron Maiden. None of that is ever going to change. But within those those big boxes, you have smaller boxes and, um, so, but anyway, I love this one. And I'm going to tell you my favorite Soundgarden song of all time, better than Loud Love and, uh, Jesus Christ Pose and Searching With My Good Eye Closed and, uh, Super Unknown. I don't think there was anything on Down on the Upside that was, that I would consider one of my favorite Soundgarden songs. But this album has... My number one favorite Soundgarden song ever. Do you know what it is? I'm going to tell you in a minute. But this is great. Been Away Too Long was the, the first song they released from that. Uh, a few months maybe before the album came out. And I liked it right from the start. I thought, ah, Soundgarden. It sounds like they never went away. They didn't really... This sounds bad, but they didn't change their style. It was It was great to hear how Soundgarden sounded in 2012. And Been Away Too Long was exactly what I wanted to hear from Soundgarden at that point. Um, my favorite Soundgarden song of all time is Non-State Actor, uh, the second song. I love that song. That's that's one of those ones that I can't, my my cat is interrupting. It's one of those songs that I, I can't listen to once. I, I think every time I, I, I listen to Non-State Actor, I have to have to listen to it again a second time. Just Just an amazing song. Um, and amazing to think that, that after so many years away and so many years as a, you know, in their existence, that they could, they could, um, that they could write a song or, or create a song that I liked better than anything else they had done before that. And, um, non, uh, non, um, 
by Crooked Steps, which was the, the third song, the next song. That could also be uh, in my top five, I would say, Soundgarden songs ever. I love it. Um, Non-State Actor, man, I love that song. I listened to it, I think, two or three times earlier today. What else? A Thousand Days Before. That's a, a strange one. What a, what a weird song that is. Soundgarden had a lot of, as I mentioned earlier, their, their songs didn't always do what you wanted them to do. They had, uh, I'm not a musician, so I'm not sure if I'm saying this right. They had strange time signatures. Their songs were kind of wonky. And I, I think uh, A Thousand Days Before is one, it's another great example of that. It just, just everything, the timing is off. It sounds like they're all playing different songs unrelated to each other and then they just put it all together and it works as a song. It, it's almost like, um, uh, like, uh, the, it, the, you know, the, if, if anybody knows Goodfellas, the, the great movie Goodfellas, uh, the Joe Pesci sees the, the painting and he says, uh, I like this one. The, the one dog goes one way, the other dog goes the other way. And the guy says, what do you want from me? It's kind of like that. That, that song reminds me of that line. You have the, the, the drums, you know, playing, playing this thing and the, the guitar, uh, and I guess the bass doing another thing and, and Chris Cornell doing another thing. And so it's like the, the, the drums are one guy, the, the bass and the guitar, are another guy and Chris Cornell, sorry, one, the, the drums are one dog. The, uh, the guitar and the, the bass are another dog and Chris Cornell is the guy saying, what do you want from me? And, you know, when you see it as a painting, people like it. Joe Pesci liked it. Uh, or Tommy, uh, what was the name? Tommy DeVito. He liked it. And so when you put all these together, uh, A Thousand Days Before is a great Soundgarden song. Also one of my top ones from, uh, from King Animal. What else is on this? Blood on the Valley Floor is excellent. Um, Black Saturday. That, that was a good one. That had, uh, acoustic guitar too, which I mentioned is kind of rare in Soundgarden. Rowing, I love that song, especially at the, um, that's the last song on the album, especially after, I don't know if it's the, after the second verse or after the second uh, chorus, Chris Cornell just, just explodes. He's, he's just wailing on that, uh, on that song. So this was great. I was very, very happy that Soundgarden was back. Not just that they were back, because I was a little bit skeptical when, when I heard that they were, that they were back together and putting out a new album, because the last one, which had been at that point, uh, 16 years earlier, uh, I thought, ah, I didn't like that last one. My cat is up here again. So, but, but when I heard been way too long, I loved it. And so I thought, all right, faith is restored. And then when, when the album came out, I did love it too. Now, this was when I did see them headline for the first time ever. I mentioned I'd, I saw them in 92 and 93, uh, once at the festival, Lollapalooza and an opening on the bill with uh, Neil Young and Pearl Jam, so playing a shorter set. And um, so when I, when I they, they played here in Mexico City in 2000, do I have the date here? May 31st, 2013, I was very, very excited. And even better than, than going to a concert is when you get, when you're lucky enough to have friends who have tickets or can get you on the guest list and my friend Francisco Paco in Mexico City, he called me maybe the day before or sent me a message and said that he had uh, a bunch of, I think he had like eight free tickets. I'm not sure how he got them or what happened. So I said, ah, yeah, of course, so I'm going to go. So I went and I would say that was one of the best concerts I've ever been to. I love that concert. I Again, maybe it was, it was just because I was happy to have Soundgarden back, but I think also my taste in music, not my taste, but what I considered to be a good concert had changed. I was really into Pearl Jam from the start, but then again from 2003. And I love that Soundgarden played a really long time. They played, I think maybe about two and a half hours. They played 21, 22, 23 songs, different songs every night. So you never knew what songs they were going to play. And the, the crowd was great. And I really, 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 I, I don't want to say it's one of my top five or 10, but it, it was just, one of the concerts that I really, really enjoyed the most, and I did get, uh, I got the set list from that concert, May 31st. Um, you can see it. Palacio de los Deportes, May 31st, 
2013. And no complaints about the set list. First time seeing Soundgarden headline, can't complain about anything. Some some people like to complain about set lists. They open with Searching With My Good Eye Closed. Searching With My Good Eye Closed, as I said, is one of my favorites. Jesus Christ Pose. Uh, ah, Rhyme Store. That's the other song that I couldn't think of earlier from uh, Down on the Upside. That I do like that one too. Which I, I think it was only after they kind of got back together that I went back and liked Rhyme Store. Burden in My Hand, My Wave, The Day I Tried to Live. Uh, been away too long. Never the machine forever. So they they did a few songs from down on the upside, but they're all the ones I liked. Hunted down. Going back to the the first uh, very I guess first Soundgarden song ever. Drawing flies. Drawing flies. Non-state actor. There it is. My favorite Soundgarden song of all time. Right in the middle. My God, that song is incredible. Loud love. Mailman. Tari. Outshined. Super Unknown, New Damage, Thousand Days, uh, Thousand Days Before, Fell on Black Days, Blow Up the Outside World, Rusty Cage. Now they, they had I Awake on the set list. They didn't play it. Instead, they played Flower, which was great for me because I like Flower better than I Awake. Um, and they didn't, maybe one small, I can't even say it's a disappointment. Uh, they were going to play either Beyond the Wheel or uh, Slaves and Bulldozers, Slaves and Bulldozers. As the last song, they did Beyond the, uh, they did Slaves and Bulldozers. Ah, why can't I say that? Slaves and Bulldozers. So it would have been cool to hear Beyond the Wheel, but again, for, for seeing Soundgarden for the first time, at that point it had been 21 years since I had seen, since I had seen Soundgarden and, um, the first time I'd ever seen them headline and seeing concerts in Mexico City is always great. So yeah, I, I really, really, really love that concert. And then, um, now they obviously, uh, they, they never came back again. So that was their one and only show in Mexico City. But last year they released, and this, this was a, a very good, um, uh, substitute for another Soundgarden show. They, they released this last year. This was from the same tour. Maybe even close to around the same time. They, they played at the, the Wilt, the Wiltern in LA. And they, they recorded this for this, uh, for live at the artist den. They, um, they, they released it as a, a concert video. And I saw it. They, they, they played it in the theaters. I think it was last year or two years ago. I think last year. And they played it here at Cinepolis, which is the big, um, it's like AMC in the States or Famous Players or Cineplex Odeon in Canada. It's, it's one of the two big movie houses in, in Mexico. And they played it one night only. And I went and I saw, they, they showed this whole thing. I guess they played two and a half hours and oh man, I loved it. It was so great sitting in that theater, watching it on the huge screen, loud, uh, hearing all these songs. And at this point, as I said, Soundgarden, maybe if I'd seen them do a show like this some years before, I wouldn't have liked it. But I really, really appreciate now bands that play for a long time and change the set list. And I've had this discussion with people before and they say, why do you, what's, what's so special about changing the set list? Who cares? But to me, it's like, well, because you don't know what they're going to play. They, maybe they're going to play five of your favorite songs that they haven't played in, uh, in years or, um, and also I think it keeps it fresh for the band instead of going through the motions. So this, this was amazing. Now they open here with Incessant Mace. Let me see if I can find the date of when they recorded this. I guess it was right, I know it was in, I think it was in 2013. Um, so it was maybe around the time of the Mexico City show, uh, February 17th, 2013. And the show that I saw them in Mexico City was May 31st, so a few months apart. And this was, they played almost every song from King Animal, which I loved. They did, let me see, how many songs from King Animal? Um... Been away too long, worst dreams, Tari, like crooked steps, rowing, non-state actor, Black Saturday, Bones of Birds, Thousand Days Before, Blood on the Valley Floor, ten. They they played ten. I, I think there were eleven or twelve songs on um, on King Animal. They played ten of them. So I was I was very very happy to see that. And I think live albums are, are, I've mentioned before, they're, they're kind of hit or miss. 
I do love this one. I think maybe because I saw this tour and I, I think also seeing it in, in the theater made it, I don't know, just more memorable. So I, I bought this album and I love it. Soundgarden. Uh, and amazing that Chris Cornell, I think when he was in Audio Slave, who I was never really a big fan of, he, he, there was maybe a time when he maybe lost his voice. Uh, but he sounded great. I, I thought he sounded great on this. And, um, when I saw him in Mexico City, he sounded great. And I think during that whole time, I've gone back and seen videos of him. Chris Cornell, for the, for the way that that guy sang, um, you know, there, there was a lot that could go wrong with his voice. And at, at this point in 2012, 2013, his voice was as good as it was maybe, you know, in the, the, the heyday of Soundgarden. So, uh, that was it for their, their discography. That was the, 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 the last thing they did officially. Uh, if I remember correctly, now of course Chris Cornell died in 2000, ah, was it 16 or 17? I remember that. Uh, the aforementioned, my friend Kevin Montavon, who I talked about in the very beginning of this video, who's the bearer of bad news for me. He was the one who told me about, he was, he was at the concert when, uh, when Dimebag was killed in 2004. And I learned about Dimebag dying from Kevin Montavon in 2004. And, uh, this year I learned about Neil Peart or Peart dying also from Kevin Montavon and also Chris Cornell. I, I guess it happened overnight. So when I woke up uh, in the morning, I, I turned on my phone and I checked my messages and I saw that I had a message from Kevin. And uh, he told me, I can't remember what, he, he said something like, uh, like I think his message was just something like, oh my God, Cornell, something like that. Or he, he didn't say Chris Cornell died. It was something like that. And I thought, like, you know, what happened? So I immediately checked and I saw that... Um, that he had died. I think at first I just knew that he had died and then it was a little bit later, it was probably only seconds later, that he actually killed himself. And that was one of the... Obviously when you when you listen to music, especially now these guys are getting older and this doesn't apply to Chris Cornell. A lot of them are dying, Lemmy and uh, uh, David Bowie and you know, and so a, lo a lot of guys in bands that I've liked that I've been a bit, big fan of, they've died. Uh, Lane Staley, uh, Chris Cornell, uh, who else? Uh, Shannon Hoon, Scott Weiland or Wieland. Um, and you know, you, you think, oh, that, that's too bad. And I don't know, for me, none of those guys. But the, the ones that really, really, I, I guess affected me or, or were just like made me feel really, really bad were Dimebag, Lemmy, uh, and a, a few weeks ago, Eddie Van Halen. I'm a huge Van Halen fan. I, I did the video doing this, going through the Van Halen discography. And Chris Cornell was one. I guess it has maybe something to do with, uh, you know, the, the fact that he killed himself. It's not like he just died because he, he was sick or something like that. When somebody, you know, commits suicide, it, it has a, a different feeling. And so when Chris Cornell died, that was very, very... Uh, I can't say it was difficult for me. It's not like he was a family member, but that was that was one of the the the, the big ones in my life that I thought, man, I, I can't believe this happened, and I and I really really miss Soundgarden because they were, I think they were working on an album that year in 2016 or 17, whenever it was, and they I think Matt Cameron had kind of taken the year off from Pearl Jam, and they were all going to get together. They were working on an album. And I just, I thought, oh, they're going to come back to Mexico again on this tour. And I'm going to see them again. And of course, none of that ever happened. And so that was the end of Soundgarden. And I guess that's the end of, uh, of me for this video because I have, I have nothing else to say for Soundgarden. Um, but what a, what a great, great band Soundgarden is. I really, really loved them through a lot of the 90s and... Love them again in the last few years. I've really, they've had a real renaissance with me. Um, I can say if people talk about the big four of grunge, of course, everybody talks about the big four being Metallica, Slayer, Megadeth, and Anthrax. What people consider the big four of grunge, Pearl Jam, Soundgarden, Alice in Chains, and Nirvana. For me, Pearl Jam is for sure number one. Nirvana is for sure number four. For for years, I, I always thought, uh, for me, Alice in Chains was number two. I think Soundgarden has maybe passed... Allison Chains in the the realm of the big four of that 
style of music whose name I hate that I won't say. I already said it. It's grunge. So, yeah, I, I, I have to go back and discover Soundgarden. I, I have a feeling they have a lot of stuff in the vault, too. I, I'm sure they'll release some things over the years uh, or over the next coming years. And um, what else can I say about Soundgarden? Amazing band. Man, oh man, I love Soundgarden. I'm going to go listen to them right now. So that's it for Soundgarden. Uh, one more video of these I'm going to do. Uh, I don't think I'll get a chance next week, but that's not for me. And um, uh, so, so I'm going to I'm going to do one more of these videos. Uh, so until then, uh, this is me talking about Soundgarden. Over and out. See ya. Thank you.